Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by a wonderful company, Creation to Revelation. This group of Christians believe it is extremely important that we teach the Word of God to our kids. They have original graphic illustrations from the beginning of the Bible to the end, featuring the beautiful and consistent presence of Jesus throughout. You can explore all of that at creationtorevelation.com. I'm so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for listening in today. Let me apologize at the very outset. My voice probably sounds strange. It certainly sounds strange to me. I'm dealing with a head cold, I guess. Whatever you call that thing that isn't allergies, and it's also not COVID, whatever that thing is, that's the thing that I have. And I'll tell you, even though I feel perfectly fine, I have a newfound sympathy for regular allergy sufferers like my wife. I have gone through pounds of tissue paper, and I will never make fun of her again when I find wadded up tissue in random places all over the room. Okay, I've probably already said too much and will be in trouble, so I think I'll go ahead and get started. Hopefully, you will be able to ignore my nasally sound, and through the magic of editing, at least, you won't have to hear any sniffles. All right, so last week, I told you that we would talk about evangelism today. And I know that just a few months ago, in June, we did an episode called An Evangelistic Culture. In that episode, we talked about things that churches can do to make it easy for members to study the Bible with others. I talked to you about the four-lesson booklet, The Gospel Message, and how every few years our congregation goes through it together. We want every single member comfortable with how to use it, and we're actually doing that right now. We've put out stacks of five cards invitation cards to church all over the foyer and auditorium, expecting all of the members to pick up those five cards and hand them out by the end of the month. Today, I am not intending to retread that episode. I just want to emphasize again that that works. Members inviting people, welcoming them when they come, having material ready for them that everyone feels comfortable using. Those are the types of steps that make evangelism a work of the church instead of just the work of a minister or a couple of gifted speakers. Today, I'm going to focus in more on you. You as an individual follower of God. What are some mental things you can do and some tangible things you can do to make interacting with others about Jesus easier to do, make it more automatic to do, and really just help you get more comfortable to do the thing that you and I both know Jesus wants us to do. I probably said this in that last episode, but I think preachers in general, in my history, including myself, have done a less than stellar job preaching on the topic of personal evangelism. A lot of times it's a series of verses we all pretty much know telling us that we need to be more evangelistic. But usually, the only thing that comes out of that is that we all feel bad about ourselves. And really no closer to being capable or confident of sharing the gospel. So you are not going to hear an episode like that. I'm going to take you to John 4. I want you to see 
Jesus interacting with these Samaritan women, and there is a small, manageable set of tips that we draw from Jesus' example that I guarantee you can use today. If you are sitting somewhere with a Bible, you may even want to open it to John chapter 4, where you may be able to make some markings along the way. Before we jump in on that, I do have to tell you a wonderful story. A story that ties together each person being confident in Christ with the power of a local church developing a culture for others. The Schoenberg family started visiting with us at Lindale several months ago. They found out about us through the most wonderful of means. One of the families at our church, faithful children of God, were in common sports with them, and the family here had gotten to know them and been a nice example of Christ-like character to them, and so conversation started about where everyone went to church, and the family from Lindale invited them to come, and they came. Once they got here, people began to befriend them, to open their homes to them, to interact with them and hear their story. Before long, that same family who had invited them and had rapport with them began a home Bible study. They talked about several different things concerning Jesus and then eventually got into the gospel message book, the four-lesson book that I've talked to you about before, which you can find at lindellchurchofchrist.com. And that family learned a lot, but were not yet sure about baptism and its purpose. So a few others from church who had built a nice relationship with them started to meet with them and talk about it. They were coming to church faithfully, and they loved being here. Eventually, I had a chance to sit down for about an hour with Craig, the father in the family. We worked through some things and discussed some things, and he told me the other day, he said, Saturday afternoon, I'm going to sit down with my wife and two girls and just study the Word of God with them. How great is that? The four of them sat down at about 2 p.m. a couple of Saturdays ago, and he called me at 8.30. They had been studying the Word, going over the things that the family had talked to them about, and going over the things in the Gospel Message booklet, and some of the things that he and I had discussed. And by the end of a six-plus-hour study, all four of them wanted to be baptized together into the family of God. If you happen to follow me on Facebook, please go check this out. We have some beautiful pictures of this. I baptized Craig, and then after we embraced, he sat on the steps in the water. And in came his wife, Tina, and we baptized her, and she joined him. And then came Grace, and she joined them. And then finally, Lily, and all of them were in the water together, and they were smiling, and all of us were tearing up. And it was just maybe the most wonderful night I can even remember. And as I tell you that story, you can probably reflect on some in your own life. And all of us wish that this happened more often. There are so many people who need to feel the joy that they felt that night. But did you catch how it all began? It wasn't from them just randomly selecting our church to come and visit. It wasn't because the preacher who we pay to do stuff like this slowly built a relationship with them and eventually took them through several studies. I was there to help, and I hope that I did help, but that's not how it happened. It happened because good Christian people like you had prepared 
themselves to do this. They had mentally prepared. They were looking for opportunities. They knew a few things to say, and they were prepared to study, and we just need that. We need that in everyone. And I want to take a few minutes and show you from the life of Jesus just how easy it can be. Okay, so let me give you seven things from John 4. We may have done this a couple of years ago. I don't care. I need a refresher. And so whether it's your first time or your 50th time to hear this, someone out there needs your help. God is at work to reach them, and you are his vessel. Number one, see opportunity everywhere. This is a mental thing. It doesn't require yet that you say or do anything except to acknowledge that everywhere you are, where lost people are, is an opportunity to do the work of God. Jesus in John 4 was in a Samaritan area. He was a Jewish man, so there were some problems there. His disciples had gone into town to get food, so he was tired and alone and in an unwelcoming place. And yet, when God brought someone to him, he was ready. So let's just start with this. It doesn't matter where you are. At a job and a desk where you've been for 30 years, or in a Walmart checkout line with total strangers around you. It can be at the beginning of the day or after a long day. It may be in a group with friends or most likely all by yourself. Every place is an opportunity. At least that's what I used to think. When I get my hair cut, I always talk to the person cutting my hair about church and about Christ. But a couple of years ago, I kind of rubbed one of them the wrong way just a little bit, and she snapped her scissors, reminding me that she was holding a sharp object next to my neck. So maybe there are exceptions, but not really. Even there, that's what we need to be doing. All right, so that's a great mental place to be, but we have to get to work. And the second thing is simply establishing common interest. You don't have to immediately talk about church or the Bible class program or the Gospels or baptism or Jesus. You might just talk about the weather. You might talk about sports. You may want to talk about the government or your children or their grandchildren. Talk about anything. In our story, Jesus just sees this woman there and asks for a drink of water. Why did he ask for water? What is the theological impact of that. Well, he would turn it into something later, but at the time it was because they were at a well and he was thirsty. So whenever you can strike up any kind of a casual conversation, you are well on your way. But the difference is, in the back of your mind, you are hoping to turn this into something spiritual. How many conversations have we had with people, friends and strangers, where we easily went into some common topic, but never once thought about where we might take it. Which brings us to our third thing. Make a spiritual connection. Jesus did that as soon as he could. The Samaritan woman was surprised that he would talk to her, but she was inquisitive enough to interact with him, and almost immediately he says, you know, I'd like to tell you about living water. Water wherein you will never thirst again. Why did he use that imagery, do you think? You already know. 
because they were talking about water, and he was able to bait and switch that into a spiritual conversation. I contend that we can do this. If it's about the weather, we can talk about the powerful hand of God. If it's about our children or grandchildren, we can talk about Bible lessons and Bible classes and the future generation of the church. If it's about sports, when it's your team that lost, you can say, well, at least I know it doesn't really matter, that Christ's kingdom is all that matters and he never loses. There are limitless ways to do this, and you will find that it will happen quite naturally as long as you are in the conversation for the purpose of getting to the Lord. All right, I will recap these at the end, and if you can find the Buzzsprout show notes, I'll put them there. There are seven things to share, and here is number four. As much as possible, you want to ask them questions, to learn about them. Point number four is build rapport patiently. Jesus kind of slows things down a little bit and asks her to go and get her husband. And she comes back and says, I have no husband. And then he makes a comment only he can make about the husbands that she had and her current situation. He tells her because he's God, you are not. So you want them to tell you. As soon as a conversation turns spiritual, please be patient enough to ask questions. Where do you go to church? Did you grow up in the faith? Do you have a church home now? Your kids, have they ever been in a great Bible class? And if you get time to have more than just a passing conversation, you want to hear as much as possible about their life. That builds rapport and trust, and they're going to begin to believe that you actually care about them. And of course, you must, and they must believe that you do before they will listen to anything you want to teach them. But point number five is suspend just condemnation. And I think you know what I mean about that. The more you find out about someone, the more you're going to find out that they aren't right with God. Maybe they worship somewhere that doesn't teach the truth. Maybe they don't go to church at all. Maybe they're living with someone, like was the case in John 4, to whom they are not married. Christians have this weird habit of wanting to evangelize to saved people. They want to run into someone who thinks and believes and acts just like them. Those are called Christians. We're looking for people that we hope to convert to Christ. Jesus was very patient with her. He could have easily condemned her. In fact, he could have easily condemned us all. But he showed great patience, whether it was her adulterous relationship or the place where the Samaritans worshipped, which was not right before God. He had every right to condemn her, but his purpose was to save her. And I hope yours is as well. If the person you are talking with, whether a stranger you've just met or someone you've known forever, if they reveal things about their lives that aren't right, just remember, that's why God put you there. Helping them understand the way out of that is what God is using you for. Be sure and hold back on the judgment. All right, our sixth observation out of the seven is to stick to the issue. Jesus and this woman end up getting into a spiritual conversation, which is tremendous. But she immediately breaks it into two categories. There's us and there's you. She says, my people, the Samaritan people, we worship over here this way. 
you people, Jewish people, you worship over there, so we really don't have anything in common. And I guess Jesus could have said, you know, you're right, we're just fundamentally different, sorry to bother you. Or he could have gone the pride route that some Christians go, yes, that's true, we are different, we're right and you're wrong. Not a lot of baptisms come out of that. But instead, he kept it simple and stuck with things that mattered. He was kind of like, look, let's not think about your mountain and our mountain, your place of worship or ours. Let's just focus on the fact that God will have his true worshipers. And those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's something with which she could agree, though he would need to teach her more. So look, if your objective is to invite them to church or just mention the power of Jesus in your own life or talk about classes, then be sure and do that. And if they ask some question that you cannot answer, which terrifies people that that might happen, or they try to make it into something divisive, don't chase them there. They just don't understand yet. Be sure and identify what you want to accomplish and stick to it. This leads us to the seventh and final thing. So let me recap and then conclude. Number one, see opportunities everywhere that you go. Number two, establish common interests, but with spiritual things in mind. Number three, make that spiritual connection. Number four, build rapport patiently. Number five, suspend condemnation. Number six, stick to the issue, the things that matter in the moment. And then lastly, accomplish something definitive. We don't want to get this far into a conversation and then just walk away from it. Jesus did not do that. He said, I am the Christ. I do not suggest that you say that. That was uniquely true of him, but it made her make a choice. So what are you going to say? It won't be that. But could it be, will you come to church with us on Sunday? Can I come and pick you up? Is it okay if I mail you a study booklet? Would you like to sit down and talk about it on Tuesday? Be sure to ask them about some action wherein they can say yes as a green light to move forward. In the case of the Schoenbergers, they were asked to come to church, and they did. They were asked to have a study, and they did. And God was able to do amazing things with that. The story in John 4 reveals that Jesus was able to save a great many people in that city, beginning with just one conversation. I wonder what God has planned for the people in your life I think it's time to get our minds in the right place, to walk out of the house with a prayer for opportunities on our hearts, and with a simple Christ-proven strategy that can make evangelism easy. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.